Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Why did God die in the place of people that were sinning against him? Why when he died on the cross, he was praying for the people that were at the foot of the cross, mocking him. Father, forgive him for they don't know what they do. That's, it's because he loves us with a different kind of love. And God said, look, I, I, that's the gift I'm giving to you guys, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the gift of everlasting life. And I believe that anything we do for the Lord, be it service, be it giving, be it ministry, it always has to be in light of what he did. Let everything you do be in light of what God has already done for you. In today's message from Pastor Bill, he reminds you of how generous God's love is for you. He's given you salvation, forgiveness, freedom, and grace. Pastor Bill encourages you that within every work you do, to do it from the perspective of all that God's done for you. Let all that you do be done unto the Lord. Have his heart and compassion for others and let his love overwhelm your heart so it overflows to others. The world needs it. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 as he continues his message, The Grace of Giving. I always tell people this. I talk to people that are struggling and they're not having enough money for different things. And, you know, God will say, I'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Y'all know sometimes we can take what God supplied for our need and waste it on our wants. And then we'd be looking like, God didn't meet my needs. Y'all know, y'all, I'm not saying y'all do that, but some, them, some other people in some other churches on Sunday morning, they do that. So we want to be good stewards of what we've been given. And here's a cool thing, right? If I take what God gives me and I go spend it wastefully, that's not being a good steward over what God gave me. Now, here's the thing, and I'm, I am convinced of this, and I don't say this to be self-serving, but I'm convinced of it, and I've done this. So if I, God supplied my need. I have everything I need. And if I give in generosity, be it to the work of the Lord, be it to help someone in need of that, I believe that in that context, God will supply me with more. I didn't take that and use it. I didn't go buy some Jordans. You know, I didn't go, I didn't take that and go, you know, buy some, 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 some gizmo or gadget. That's what I like. I like gizmo and gadgets and stuff, you know, but if that went to some form of God, there was a need that came up. I had it. I believed you wanted me to do it. So wham, I believe that God will take care of that. He'll supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And it's in the context of generosity in Matthew 19, 29, Jesus said, and everyone who, everyone who's left houses and brothers and sisters and fathers or mothers or wives or lands for my name's sake. Shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And he's speaking about those that gave up things to follow him. That that he said, I'm gonna take care of that. Something else I thought of before we look at all of what I want to look at in verse seven. And this goes back to the Old Testament, but there are times where in the Old Testament people had, but everything they had kept running out. It was like you know, and it says it was like their pockets had holes in them. And it was because they weren't participating. They weren't given to God's work. And this is what God says in Haggai. He says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Um, and this temple lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. Um, your wages disappear, he says. And, and that's over in Haggai. I mean, your, your resources are running out because 
these guys had neglected. At that time, it was a temple. It was a work of God. They had neglected it. And God said, you guys, you guys are neglecting the important things. And so as we look at what he says in verse 7, he said, look, each one, let each one give. So first thing we know when it said, let each one give, first, it's each one, each person. Everyone's to be a participant, right? Each one. That means everybody's to be a part. It's not one group or another group. Everybody. Let each one give. Then he says, uh, as he has purpose in his heart. And so we already talked about that, that it's not thoughtlessly done, um, but it's done with purpose. Um, it's something you do on purpose. You purpose in your heart. You plan in advance. You plan beforehand how you're going to do that. Number the, the next thing in, in verse seven, he says, um, not grudgingly. Uh, or of necessity. And so, you know, we talked about that already, that God doesn't want it to be treated. My giving at church or my giving to people in need shouldn't be done like bills. Anybody ever, anybody ever had somebody give you something, but they acted so terrible about it, you just, you wish, if you could have, you'd have you'd not took it, you know? I had somebody in my family when I was younger, both, you know, my, my family was different. My mother would give, and my mother, the way my mother would give was, my mother was a very giving, generous person. My mom would dig in her coin purse and give me the last, and she would announce it was the last. She was just a giver. She would give, 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 and you know you would see her get taken advantage of. You thought and everywhere else, but she was glad to give and to whatever she got, she would give it to people. You know, you know I had other family where it was like, you know, I'm gonna give you this, but you get a speech with it. You know, I'm gonna we'll, we'll, we'll take. But wait a minute. You know, this, this just took me a long time to get, you know, you, I'm like, oh man, I wish I would leave it if I could leave it, but go ahead and give me the speech. <laughs> you know, like, don't have the Lord looking at your giving like that. Just leave it. You keep it then. Y'all know God don't need our stuff, right? We don't, he doesn't need my stuff. I'm not giving to me God need. I need to give. God doesn't need what I give, but I need to give. It says this in Psalm 50. 10 through 12, it says, for every beast of the forest, God is speaking, are mine. A cattle on a thousand hills, they're his. He says, I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts in the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, God says, for the world is mine and all is fullness. God says, I'm good. I got everything I need. I'm God. I don't need you to give, but you need to give. And I, I think that's important to understand. God is not broke. That's why I hate to see begging preachers, because you see guys on TV like, you know, God, if God is going to be able to continue to do it, you're going to have to. I don't believe that. I believe that God will do what God's going to do. If nobody here gave nothing, uh, God, God is not dependent upon us. How sad would that be? How, how, how sad would it be for God if he were dependent on me? That, that what he's going to be able to do, to me, God will use somebody else. God will figure out another way. I don't believe that God is dependent upon us. But we get the privilege. We get to, we get to be a part of what God is doing. That's our privilege. But God is not begging. God is not broke. And God is not, you know, he's not in a bad way. We be the ones in a bad way. Amen. Yeah. All right. Verses eight and nine. Now he says, and it says, and God is able. I want you to notice all the alls in this verse. Right. This is what God is able to do on our behalf in this context. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And I read that through several times. I'm like, God is, I mean, you know, God is, when God is emphatic about something, I don't think he wants us to just brush it over. God says, look, I'm able to make all grace. Uh, wait, wait, there are many graces of God. There, there's his grace, his unmerited favor. It's his grace and provision. It's his grace and spiritual blessing. God says, I'm, I, am a, I am able to make all grace. He's able to make all grace abound 
towards us. Um, that always, right? If, if I always have all sufficiency, that means I'm never insufficient, right? God says always, you always have an all sufficiency. And I do believe that the work of God in the life of the believer, there's a, there's a contentment that a believer can have no matter what. You could be broken content. You could be balling in content. Paul said, I've, abased, I've been abased, that's broke, and I've abounded. He said, I've learned in all ways to be content. Right. If, if you can only be content when you balling, that's not good. Right. If you only happy when everything is happening the way God says, I, I, I'll provide you with something better than that. I will provide you, you, you all sufficient. There'll be a grace that you can be content in all situations. Um, and again, I believe that many times, though we live in a God bless you, we live in a world that's selfish and looking for things. And many times the way God blesses and chooses to bless us. God will do things in the life of his kids that money can't buy. Money is not king. Money doesn't do everything. There are things that there are blessings that God can bless. There are ways that God can bless a person's life that are beyond what money can buy. You know, I look at this world. I look at some of the rich people. I look at their marriages. And how come rich people marriages can't work? How come the ultra mega rich, you know, in general, like I wouldn't I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade marital blessing to have their money because they, they don't look happy to me. Right. I look at them. I look at a lot of times we'll look at people like that. Man, if I had millions, you got tons of millions of dollars. We would be so happy. You look at their lives. and They don't look happy. They look they got why they high all the time. Why they on drugs? Why? Why are these people dying and they find out that they were in their homes alone most of the time on pills and drugs? These people that supposedly made it and had everything because money don't make you happy. Money, they weren't, it wasn't sufficient. It didn't bless. It didn't do what God does. And I'd rather be broke on the backside of a mountain, you know, with a hill and a wife and some kids throwing rocks and chewing, you know, hay, but happy. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have my contentment in that context or however God wants to bless my life. I wouldn't trade it for some stuff. And so we just have to be careful that we don't let the world in which we live begin to dictate because sometimes in a lot of Christian circles we become just like the world we begin we start lusting after what they have instead of realizing that we have what they need they don't got what we need I'm not I'm not lusting after your cars and your housing your things y'all don't have Jesus you're gonna die and where's that stuff gonna be some people gonna fight over it's gonna be in probate somewhere you need the Lord and sometimes we get that mixed up rather than realizing that man I pity them like that's you know they made it they got everything they wanted and they're like you know, sometimes that's the saddest place to be is at the top of the hill, having achieved everything you hope to achieve and realizing that I'm still not content. I'm still discontent. Uh, I forgot. I think it, it might have been. I think it was one of, the, one of our basketball guys. I don't want to say the wrong one, but I remember they won their first ring and the interviewer came and they were, you know, everybody was celebrating and cheering. They're like, so it's your first ring. You got your ring. And the first thing out of their mouth was I'm looking for the next one. And I was like, man, already not enough. Couldn't even, I mean, in the moment, couldn't even rejoice in that moment that I got my, nope, I, 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 need, I need another one. Because somebody else, Jordan got more already, you know. Somebody got one more than I got, I got to get one more. And it's like, that, that's, we don't want to be stuck in that. So be careful about the world in which we live, you guys. We want to be a witness to it. We want to be the light of Christ in it. Um, we want to be generous like Jesus was generous in the midst of it. That's among ourselves as churches. That's to those outside as we pray and let the Lord, you know, give us wisdom. But we don't we don't want to be wrapped up in such a way where in the world has us 
It's got us locked up. It's got us in its clutch. It's got us wanting what it wants. And so, again, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Uh, verse 9, as it is written, he who he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10 and 11 now, it says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Verses 10 and 11, Paul prays for them. Right. Paul goes from teaching them, from giving principles to them. Paul's now praying for them. And this is what he prays. Paul says, look, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread to the eater. That's the Lord. May who may he who supplies everything to those in need. May he may he multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your rights. Paul said, may he whatever you sown out, may God multiply it. It may just may it bear more and more fruit. Uh, may it go further than you first thought it was going to go. May God multiply what's gone out and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything with all liberality, which causes thanksgiving to God, uh, thanksgiving through us to God. And in the next you know, 12 through 14, he elaborates on kind of the results, what, what God does as a result of the you know, generous giving. These are, these are the results of it. And so verse 12, it says, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgiving to God. And while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. And these are the three things that he says are a result. One, needs are met. As you guys have given generously, needs get met. Needs of the saints. Things get taken care of. And that's one of the reasons we give. There are a lot of things that get taken care of as believers are generous, faithful, responsible, regular. It, it allows for needs to be met, for a church to be able to administer to needs that are met. It's God's system, it's God's purpose in the same way in the Old Testament that all of the things that were the, the way God had dialed it in in the Old Testament was that the people would give, all of God's people would give to the temple and the temple would administer God's needs. They would take care of the priests and those that served. They would make sure that needs were met and things were taken care of. That was God's system. In the New Testament, God's system is that people, the believers would give to their local church, um, that we would share in financially where, with those who feed us spiritually, that we would, we would give where we receive at. And in that, the, that the church's needs would be met. And so that's God's system in the New Testament that we would, you know, we would do so. So um, as we do that, needs are met. It said um, the last part of verse 12 that it causes many to give thanks to the Lord. There's thanksgiving to the Lord as a result. Uh, there are things that people, as a result of the church having and being able to do what it needed to do, there, there are people that are giving thanks to the Lord. There's thanksgiving to God. And ultimately, um, it says that God is glorified. God is God receives glory as a result of it all. And so, you know, we, we're wrapping up this section on giving, and I hope that questions have been answered. I hope that we've been clear, clear on things. One thing that I was told I needed to make clear, we've talked about it a couple times, and I wanted to just make it clear for us. The distinction between Old Testament and New Testament giving, 
tithing as opposed to um, offering. Because when we receive, we, we say, you know, we're going to pray for tithes and offering. And um, while I don't believe as New Testament believers, we're under the, we don't tithe under the law. We don't give like they gave in the Old Testament. They gave because they had better give because God said so. And if they didn't, there was an issue. In the Old Testament for the Jews in the temple, when they would give, there were two areas to give. There was there was the tithe that they had to give, and they also had the opportunity to give free will offering. They had the opportunity to do that. For New Testament saints, everything we do is free will. Everything that we do is out of out of it's it's as the Lord has prospered us. Now, so, so you know the question was, and I want to answer it, like, do we tithe, right? Do we give a tenth? The tithe is a tenth of everything that we have. This is my personal belief. This is what's on our website under the grace of giving uh, as far as our position on this. Um, I'm not comfortable saying where God hasn't said. I wouldn't come to you guys and say you guys have to give a tenth. Uh, if God said so, I would say so. I would come and say you have to give a tenth. This is what I would say, though. As I compare the old and the new, and we said this already before, but for the benefit of those that weren't here, in the Old Testament, God said, don't murder, right? In the New Testament, he said what? Don't hate somebody. That's not less, that's more. In the Old Testament, God said, don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, he said what? Don't even lust. Don't even look at her like you want her. That's not less, that's more. In the Old Testament, God said, you guys have to give a tenth. Now, here's the other thing. In the Old Testament, if you violated that command to murder, then under God's law, you were to be killed, right? In the New Testament, if I break that command to murder, do I get killed? I'm, I'm in sin, but I'm not getting killed. I'm not under that law. So, it, I, when I take the Old Testament, God says you must give a tenth. I believe in the New Testament. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in the New Testament. God is saying now, now give less than that. Now just give, you know, just give me a tip. Give me whatever you want. I believe that God would. I believe that the idea is still that we would do more, but we do it out of a different heart. Out of the New Testament, I'm not going to not murder you because if I murder you, I'm going to get killed. I'm not going to murder you in the New Testament because I've been taught to love you. I've been taught to love those that do me wrong, and so that. But my motive for not murdering you is different. And I go beyond not murdering you to loving you, right? It's greater than what was done in the Old Testament. So I believe in the New Testament, I'm free to give a tenth. I'm free to give more than a tenth. There's a liberty there. My whole marriage, ever since me and my wife were engaged, we put an account together and we would always give a tenth of everything that we have. Plus, we would give an offering. And we would always, that was the offering was what we would discuss. How much do we want to give there? That would be what we do over and above. Everybody here, there's a liberty to that. You should pray. You should prepare in advance. We should be generous in our giving. We should be regular in our giving. We should be faithful with our giving. But it, it does need to be a worship before the Lord. And so I don't think it can be worship if it's not something you got to get with the Lord and say, God, this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to give to you out of, out, of, out of our abundance, out of what you blessed. We give this back to you. And something's taken away from that. If, if you're giving, you have to do this much. It's like a bill now. I got this. I got that, I got that much done, you know. Give as much as you want. You pray about what you're going to give and you do that. I believe that that's God's heart for New Testament giving. And so I want to be clear on that so that moving forward, when you figure out what you're going to give, it should be something that you prayed about to the Lord. And that between you and the Lord, you sort that out and you be faithful with what you come up with before the Lord. Amen. Is that clear? Any questions? Anybody got any questions on that before we leave this alone? We good? Okay. So last verse. And I love how Paul closes this whole section on giving up. He takes us back to the most important thing. Verse 15, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And it almost seemed like that don't fit, but it really does fit. Right. He was talking about giving and 
being generous and you purposing in your heart and God, you know, you know, you so sparingly, you reach sparingly and all this stuff. And he ends the whole thing saying, thanks be to God for his. We're talking about you giving mom I'm going to bring it back home. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And I don't want to miss that. If someone's sitting here not born again, you can you can ignore everything else that was said and just listen to this right here. What is God's indescribable gift? Right. Why would Paul say, why is it indescribable? God's gift is obviously it's Jesus Christ. And that's the gift that God has offered us. Whenever the Bible speaks about the gift of God, it's speaking about what he's done to save us. And it's indescribable because it's hard. Like even though we can we can explain it in some sense and we got a sense of what it is. We can't fully explain why does God love sinners? Right. Why does God love unlovely people? Why does God come after people that aren't looking for him? Why did God die? in the place of people that were sinning against him. Why, when he died on the cross, he was praying for the people that were at the foot of the cross, mocking him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's, it's because he loves us with a different kind of love. And God said, look, I, I, that's the gift I'm giving to you guys, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of salvation, the gift of everlasting life. And I believe that anything we do for the Lord, be it service, be it giving, be it ministry, it always has to be in light of what he did we're always responding, right? We wouldn't tell you, give so God will love you more, right? I, I'm already loved by God as much as I can be loved by God. I never deserved this, it's grace, but I am loved by God. I've been forgiven by God. I've been received by God. And anything I do is in response. God, I serve in response to what you've already done. If I'm giving, I give in response to what's already been done. But he says, man, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And God is our example in everything the one that gave everything, right? God the Father gave God the Son. God the Son, he gave himself. They gave the most that they could give. I couldn't imagine giving a son, you guys. Uh, and I got, I don't just have one, I got two. I got two sons and two daughters. I couldn't imagine giving any of them up for a bunch of people that don't like me. Can you imagine that? I wouldn't give my kids up for people that love me. I definitely wouldn't give them up for people, you don't even like me. No, I'm giving up my kids for you. And that's on a good day. You know, like I couldn't imagine that, but that's what God did for us, right? He, he gave up, that's what God the Father that gave up his son for us, that we could be forgiven, that we could be right. For God the Son, for Jesus, right? He gave all that he was for us. But he gave it up for us. Like God didn't give himself for us when we were worshiping him. You know, we weren't sitting here all nice and focused at church, just loving the Lord. Like, I'm gonna die for them. Look at them. They love me so much. I'm gonna do this. The Bible says that while you were yet sinners, Christ died. So you take yourself back in your mind, maybe not, but you go back to your worst place, to the worst time, the worst scenario. You, 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 when you were the grindiest you ever were, God says, right there, I, that's when I picked you. When you were at your worst, I loved you then. And I picked you then. And I died for you then. So you could be saved. So you could be mine. That's why it's an indescribable gift. And so while, yes, we focus on the, the grace of giving and the, the fact that we get to be a part of giving is it's a grace that God would enable us. But he gave first. He gave everything. If I ever forget how to give, I need to spend some time with Jesus and look at how he did. He was generous. He was gracious. And he did it many times for people that didn't deserve it. And so we need to be thankful for that. And so as we wrap this up again, I, I, I saw this in one of the books I was reading that the word here that Paul says, the indescribable, the word indescribable, it's the only place in the Greek New Testament that is here. Some believe that Paul made that word up just to go right here. That there, there is no, we're not going to have words to sufficiently describe his gift. But we know it was a good gift. We know it was gracious. We know it was generous. We know it cost him everything. And we know that we benefited from it significantly. And um, 
there's never been a better gift given than that gift, the gift of eternal life. And so we need to be thankful for that. Blessed to be a recipient of it. And may God help us, you guys. May God help us to be like him. That uh, his character would be formed in us. That we would be a loving people, a generous people, a giving people. That all the results, that God would be glorified, that needs would be met, and that people would be blessed. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 2 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on Teachings. Otherwise, you can download our mobile app to listen to more messages. Search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest information on service times and locations. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 2 Corinthians, has it caused you to think about whether you honor your leaders? It's clear in this book that Paul felt disrespected as a leader, and there were some who did not make it a joy for him to serve in leading them. God calls us to honor and respect the leaders God has put in place. Supporting those that God has positioned over you to shepherd you can bring about a great sense of godly unity. In fact, think about sending an encouraging note or message to those who are in a leading or shepherding position in your life. If you've noticed that this ministry has been a blessing to you, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the message goes out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. Pray for open ears, soft hearts, and changed lives. Thanks for your support of a transforming word.